talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM. And it's my pleasure to speak to people from the world of contemporary Christian music. And this week, I've got to say, we've got such a lovely guy uh, who's got some really amazing music out there. Uh, it's none other than Michael Cochran. And I've just realised, Michael, that I mentioned you the first track. We haven't decided what the tracks are. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the tracks that we're going to do, Michael? Uh, why don't we do Church, Take Me Back. That's perfect. Church, take me back by Cochrane and Company. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Gordon. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us on the show. So we're pretty familiar with your music here on Hope FM, and you know it would be great to find out a little bit about your story, about yeah. where you've come from, about your musical gifting, how that all came about, uh, and how Jesus wove right into the middle of your story. So feel free, you've got the floor, sir. Yeah. Well, you know, I, my story is probably not uncommon for a lot of people. Uh, in America here that, that, you know, grew up kind of Bible belt, as we call it, you know, like uh, Christianity is just kind of permeates society in some way, shape or form. But it was really, I was brought up in the church. Uh, my grandfather was a minister for 50 years. Uh, my grandmother was a church organist and uh, you know, she, I was there every Sunday and I just remember her walking around, uh, barefoot because she didn't like to wear her shoes on the organ pedals. So uh, my, my mom was like the children's church teacher, you know, uh, we were just there all the time. Church was like, I mean, I just didn't even think, I thought everybody just went, you know, it's what we all did. Um, and I remember I went to, uh, I got baptized when I was a little kid, probably like nine years old. Um, and I just always believed, you know, but then, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up like music was a huge part of uh, my upbringing. You know, my grandparents sang all the time. My mom sang to me. My dad played multiple instruments. And uh, I just knew from a young age I wanted to be a musician. You know, that's what I wanted to do. If I couldn't be a professional basketball player, uh, which I wasn't very good, <laughs> I wasn't very good at that. Um, but I always wanted to just be a musician and sing and whatever that was going to look like. And uh, when I was little, those things worked together, my faith and, and music. And I, most of my musical outlets as a kid was church and uh, playing specials, you know, on Sunday mornings and, and even leading from, from a hymnal at the small country church that I grew up in. And uh, well, when I got older in the middle school and stuff, you know, I started doing band. I started playing drums. Drums was like the first instrument I really cared about i took piano lessons as a kid but there's something about hitting the drums you know and making some serious noise my, my son is a drummer he sometimes drums for like i don't know 10 hours a day sometimes he absolutely he's just he's in the uk we've got different grades for your drum he's just done grade eight and got 93 percent, which is the top grade you can get so oh that's awesome he's, he's a serious drummer but for him it's drums or nothing so yeah yeah so, so you were doing drums back then what age was that that was, I would have started when I was the sixth grader. So that would be like, I think 
like 11, 12, maybe okay. 12 years old. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's all I cared about. I mean, I just wanted to drum all the time. I didn't play piano at all. I just wanted to just drum and I joined the pet band, joined the jazz band. And then some, when I got into eighth grade, upper middle school, uh, some high school guys asked me to join their rock band. And that was like the coolest thing ever you know so we were we were touring the midwest region and uh you know playing out and playing rock music with other rock bands and i was like holy smokes like this is what i want to do i want to tour and that was my first taste of like road life and i was like this is it for me uh and you know things change when you go through school and and fringe groups change and stuff and i ended up you know not being in that band anymore and then i started playing piano again and uh writing music uh, and so by the time I was about to graduate high school, I had kind of a little stack of songs, mostly terribly written songs, you know, uh, that I was starting to play. And I played my first concert ever uh, my senior year of high school for uh, it was it coincided with the really bad earthquake in Haiti um, at the time. And so uh, the community I was in had a, like a fundraiser concert and uh, i played a concert for the fundraiser relief for Haiti. It was my very first concert. I still have the poster somewhere. So what year, what year was that roughly? That was 2010. And and how old were you at that point? I would have been 17 or 18. Okay. Maybe it might have been 18. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all that was kind of coinciding musically. When I was a kid, they, they kind of went in tandem with my faith. And then when I got into middle school and high school, I kind of uh, started to separate myself from uh traditional christian beliefs kind of you know like um i think what i was experiencing was i i just i had been going along with my parents faith you know and my grandparents faith as a kid and then there became these years of like well what do i actually think how do i want to live my life maybe i don't want to live it like this maybe i want to do it my own way see what else is out there so that kind of became the theme of my high school years was rebellion and uh, you know, but like subtle rebellion, like, you know, my friend's parents still thought I was a good kid, you know, <laughs> and, and so did my parents. And, and I would have called myself a Christian so that my grandparents like didn't get mad at me or something like that, you know, uh, or my parents, but I mean, really nothing in my life looked like Jesus or Christianity by the time I was leaving high school and entering college. Uh, you know, I, my goals and aspirations for music at that time were just like, let's get girls to like me and let's just be the coolest person ever, you know? And I wanted to move to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was born and raised in Indiana. I should probably say that, but I wanted to move to Nashville, Tennessee and I wanted to play at the bars and the honky tonks, you know, and I wanted to pick up girls and I wanted to uh, play music uh, every day, all day long. And that was kind of my goals. But when I went to college, I began to connect with some guys on campus that I kind of knew they kind of knew me, uh, but they were serious Christians and they like, they took their faith seriously. And I began to rub shoulders with them more and see, Oh, like there's a way that you can find peace and fulfillment, not in the rat race, not in trying to seek approval through your talents or your whatever, you know, because uh, that's how I spent most of my time is like all my friendships revolved around either me being funny or being good at music, or it was all like about my performance, you know, like there wasn't a lot of relationship built on just who I was. And um, I began to 
kind of experience that community. And I began to, I think, maybe even meet Jesus for the first time in, in college and began to uh, read the Bible and go to Bible studies. And because I began, I stopped doing some of the things that I was doing. I stopped, uh, you know, a lot of the heavy drinking and, and some of the drug stuff that I was into in high school and college. And I started, um, basically I got new friends and I was hanging out at these Bible studies and uh, they were like, Hey, you know, you want to like, you want to play piano with us tonight at this worship thing. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm the guy for that, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but I did, I started uh, playing music in the worship bands there. And as God began to work in my heart, I began to serve at a church part-time with their worship in the town I was going to college in. And so all this time, God was using the things that I love, the things that I used to use for myself for vanity. God began using them to draw me to himself and to kind of create this path for me of like, you know, it's what I wanted to do my whole life. And God knew that. And God put that desire in my heart and he was just guiding that process of, okay, you think it's going to look like this and I'm just going to shift it. And it's going to look like this. And you're going to work at a church, which I never, ever thought I would ever do. <laughs> wow. Did, did, did your grandparents get to know that you worked at a church? Were they, at least? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's my, cool. My grandfather, uh, he, he passed away in 2020 in the spring, uh, uh, right before COVID stuff, actually. So he was in a nursing home. So I'm actually thankful that the Lord, uh, you know, took him then. He didn't have to live in the nursing home during COVID, but, uh, my grandmother's still living. She's 93 years old. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. You know, what's, what's funny is, uh, they, they prayed my whole life that these opportunities would come for me. And so it's cool. My grandfather got to see me go out on my first big tour and, it's very cool. Oh, that is so wonderful. Oh, that must have <laughs> answered prayer. How, how great is it? Generations praying for the generations below to come through. I've yeah. got to say, it's beautiful to hear that. And I bet they were just delighted. So, uh, and I know you said that you mentioned about the performance thing and identity and how that sort of all works together and, uh, and how in the past you were trying to seek after um, being popular and stuff like that. If you don't mind me asking though, it's a really difficult thing as a Christian artist because there we are trying to get our identity in Christ. Yes. But we're in or you are part of a machine where people like me and all our listeners are asking you to perform. And literally you perform on stage, right. but also we want your songs to be good. Your songs have to be a standard or, or you lose your record contract. So there's there is a a thing that is pushing you to perform, yes. which in some ways is good because you want to perform to us. But how do you personally manage to manage the all the stats and the figures? Like, like church take me back five million views on YouTube. Huge success. Is that how we measure it? Or is a song and some of your videos on YouTube only got a few hundred views? Right. But those might be those might be the ones that touch someone's heart more as well yeah, and, and unlock something. So how how do you personally manage to manage i guess the pressure side of it and also just to keep your focus on jesus rather than all the all the numbers that i've always go with stuff well how do i manage i would say not very well <laughs> that's honest i like that yeah yeah you know um it's daily i think it's moment by moment and i think that i don't know about every artist but my biggest enemy in all of this is comparison uh which social media just fuels 
comparison, you know, but uh, on my good days, I'm, I'm operating from a place of gratitude where I'm just grateful, you know, that God has me doing this at all because there, you know, there's a time, not only did I think I wouldn't be involved in Christianity, you know, but I also didn't think I would be involved in professional music. I, I had tried for years to get my music in front of the right people and do the right things. And it just, you know, closed door after closed door. And then, you know, I, I, I was serving at a church uh, full-time at that point in time in 2016. And I just said to the, to the Lord, I said, if th- this is obviously where you want me to be because these doors aren't opening. So I'm going to be faithful here and I'm going to stop fighting so hard to, to claw open doors that you don't want to open. And so that was my heart posture. And literally a year later, I met a manager who began introducing me to record labels and they would actually email us back this time. And, uh, you know, uh, a year and a half later, I had a record contract and was going out on tour with one of the biggest Christian artists ever, you know? And so it's like, that's not the story for everyone, right? Just because, oh, you surrender your hopes and dreams and then God gives you your dreams. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think operating from a point of gratitude is like, I, none of this had to happen. You know, like God didn't have to, to put me in these places and do this. And so that's got to be enough for me. And because of that, because of the opportunities he's given me, my motivation comes from stewardship, wanting to be faithful and put out. He's given me a platform. So I want to make the best music that I can make because he's worthy of that, you know, and the opportunities are worthy of that. And um, I want to steward everything that he's given me well. And just like the gospel, you know, it's not, you know, I, I feel like there's people out there that, you know, maybe deserved it more. And uh, for whatever reason, God chose to put me in this position. And so I, I don't operate so much as to receive this from God, but because he's given it to me, I just want to do it out of gratitude, you know. And uh, that's a good that's a good positional shift just from my whole life of trying to be this so that I would be accepted as to like, oh, like, you know, God accepts us. God accepts you. God accepts me. Uh, and that's the motivation to love him, not to get the love, but because we've been given it. You know, so I try to remember that. I try to wash the gospel over myself in the music industry as well, you know, and, and come from a place of this is not my identity. If this is all gone tomorrow, that doesn't change who I am. This is just something that God's allowing me to do for this season. And for some people, that season is a long time, you know, uh, and for some people that season is very short and God gives and God takes away. And I want to have a constant heart posture to where I would truly mean it and say, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord with a number one or with a number 100, you know, whatever, whatever these songs do, uh, there's only so much I can control. And so that's on my good days. I'm thinking through that on my bad days. I'm like, Oh, like, <laughs> look at these artists. They're crushing it. Why am I not? You know? And uh, those are the bad days because comparison, it's not a cliche. It's true that comparison really does just steal joy and just like rip it out of you. And, and that's the enemy's design. If, if he can, you know, if he can just ruin your day and, and make you look sideways at all the blessings that God gives you instead of embracing them with gratitude, the enemy wants you to look at the guy next to you's blessings and go, well, how come mine aren't like that? 
And then you don't appreciate your own and God's no longer good in your life because he's better to this person. And I fight that attitude constantly. Yeah. Oh, I've got to say, I'm quite sympathetic to you having to fight it because I think if I was in your shoes, I would be feeling the same sort of pressures, but it's great that your heart desire is to just have Jesus first in the center of all those things. Now you mentioned that you've been out on the road with um, some big name people. Uh, so you're on Goatee Records, aren't you? Yes. Which is which is Toby Mac's label. So yeah. So we, which, I'm being realistic, is exactly the sort of person you don't want to compare yourself to in some <laughs> regards. In some regards, it, it, with regards to his success in the music industry, but with regards to who he is as a person, maybe he's a good person to be alongside. So how, how have you found um, having Toby's input in your life? It's phenomenal. Um, he's just a well of knowledge and. Um, you know, he's, he's been in the game a long time and that alone, I think deserves respect. You know, um, what I appreciate, I think most about Toby is his championing of who I am as an artist. Uh, you know, when you, at least for me, when you go onto a record deal, one of the, one of the fears is like, are they going to try to make me something like make me something else, try to change what I'm doing or, you know, uh, like, do they, you know, like, what's, what, what's the end goal here? And I think I've just seen time and time again, that Toby really just wants to champion the sound that's in me and the music that, that I can do and just wants me to be the best version of that and not a crummy version of something else. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. Yeah. He's trying to nurture who you are and, and your musical style rather than yeah, absolutely. morphing something that might be different. Yeah. Yeah. That, that absolutely makes sense. So your 2021 album is called Don't Lose Hope. Um, so it's 13 tracks on there. I I have spent quite a bit of time listening to it on repeat. And I've got to say, oh. it is a really good piece of work. I know I, I, I'm not trying to flatter you, but, but I just want to tell listeners, listen to Don't Lose Hope because it is beautiful. There are some really lovely lyrics, some fantastic uh, singing and keyboards and music on there. So who's, so obviously, obviously your keyboards and singing, but who else is with you uh, making the music? Yeah, it varies kind of track to track. Um, but one of the producers I work with a lot is, uh, his name is Brian Fowler. And he was actually kind of integral in, in me getting the record deal uh, that I got. Uh, so Brian Fowler is involved uh, and Micah Kuyper is another guy that uh, did some production and some programming. Um, also, uh, Chris Stevens is another producer that's working with it. But uh, drums, we had, like, so for the instrumentation, uh, we actually went in on several tracks, went into the studio, which is kind of rare anymore. Most of it's done, you know, in, like, home studios or whatever. And we went into Blackbird Studio in Nashville, which is, like, a legendary studio. And we had kind of a live session, all these players in together. So that was Paul Mabry played drums, who he was out with, you know, with Lauren Daigle for a long time. It was really integrated her stuff. Um, we had Brent Milligan and Jacob Lowry on bass on different tracks those are legendary studio players and of course uh, mike Payne is a phenomenal electric guitar player he was on the track as well uh, i think i already said chris stevens played b3 uh, and we had just uh several different super talented background singers uh, come in and out uh, on these songs my wife Leah is on a couple of the tracks with me. So on Young, she sings the second verse there, and then she provides background vocals for most of the record because uh, she tours with me. 
in my band. I always say she's my favorite band member. <laughs> Very wise thing to say. Yes, so that, yes. now that, that, that is an interesting dynamic though. So, so you and your wife get to, to uh, how long have you been married? Six years, uh, almost seven Six years. years. Okay. And did you meet because of music? Uh, oddly enough, we did. Yeah. I was playing, uh, I was headlining. This was in 2013. I was headlining a concert at a college, Christian college in Indiana. And she was one of the openers. Her and her sister had a, like a duet thing. And I met her at that concert and I joked to my guitar player. Uh, I just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> And uh, good joke. I'm a, I'm a man of my word. <laughs> we, we have a saying many a true word said in jest. So that's that yes. is great. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to explore that for a second. You, you met her there. How does it come about then? Were you clo living close together or were you on different sides of things? Well, yeah. I mean, we were in, so we were within like an hour radius, maybe, uh, which is really close in Indiana because it's like the population density is, you know, there's not that many people in an hour radius. <laughs> sure. Uh, but we, uh, we met. And so her sister's boyfriend at the time organized the event. So I kind of met through them, but I always say she made the first move because she added me on Facebook later that night. That's a, a clear sign. Yep. Absolutely. I think that means that, you know, if it had been one of the new like dating things at the time, I think she would have swiped right. That, I, I'm, I'm going to say she definitely made the first move in that case. So that's, yeah, I, I think that's fair. You yeah. can go and tell that that the whole of the UK now agrees that you, you're, you're right, Michael. So uh, yeah. that's, that's lovely though, that you get to sing together. Um, uh, so, and you tour together. Um, uh, and I've got to say, I'm going to go back and listen to, to the tracks. You said it's young. Which other bits is she on? Yeah, she, she sings backgrounds on, almost every song that has background vocals uh she's she's involved in the harmonies and but yeah she okay. sings the second verse of young that's kind of like a uh, and what's your favorite thing about your wife um gosh i would just say her gracefulness she's a very she's a very gracious person uh i'm not probably the easiest person to live with or you know i, I can get very stressed and and i'm an anxious person and she's very graceful and she's very patient with me. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing about her. That sounds like an excellent quality in any wife, I'm sure. Uh, and, and what's the thing you most feel that you've got to change about yourself to bless her more? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say I have got to stop being such a procrastinator. <laughs> that would probably end about 90% of our arguments if, if I would not procrastinate as much. <laughs> that, that, but, you're, but you're a creative. And I think sometimes procrastination and creativity sometimes go hand in hand. So um, I, I, maybe, yeah. Put, 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 putting off on a lot of things, but, but spending a lot of time thinking about music, maybe that's an excuse. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so with regards to the album, though, which is uh, Leia's favorite song on the album? Gosh, her favorite song is probably Whole World or he's not here, I would say, would be her two favorites. And, and what about you? What are your two favorites? Stained Glass Window. Yeah. That's my favorite one. I fought to get that one on there. We were done with the record pretty well. And I had that song and I was like, I, I think we need to find a way to put this on there. So we did it. We had to record it in like two days and get it done, but we made it under the wire. So that's my favorite one. 
That is that is cool. I tell you what, let's hear a little clip of stained glass window right now. Is my broken pieces all my incompleteness? Take this shattered heart and make a work of art. Won't you show me, Jesus, what your love can do? Like a stained glass window. I want to feel your light shine through. Well, I... And that was Stained Glass Window from Michael Cochran of Cochran and Company. Thanks so much, Michael, for all you shared so far. We've got another track to come from you. It's called One Day. Would you like to give us the backstory to One Day? What's it all about? What's the heart of it? Yeah, you know, uh, One Day kind of hit radio uh, right in the onset of the pandemic. And so I think a lot of people just associate that song with what was going on at the time. And they think like, oh, that's what you wrote it about. Uh, because, you know, uh, right as it was kind of peaking uh, audience-wise, then we had a lot of the racial tension in the country um, explode and a lot of racial justice issues, you know, brought to light. And um, I think people, you know, just thought we wrote it that year in that season. And really it's the sovereignty of God, I think, uh, because we wrote that song uh, like almost a full year prior to it coming out. Um, and God just chose the time for it to be relevant and for it to touch hearts and lives. And we never could have imagined how some of the lines, I mean, the first, the first verse, you know, talks about uh, one day there'll be no more need for a hospital room. One day there'll be no more lives taken too soon. And second verse says, one day the color of our skin won't cause a divide. Uh, those were things that we were feeling, you know, a year before. And God, I think, just orchestrated and, and just held that song in his hands until it was time for uh, it to impact people, you know. But uh, we, I wrote that song with a guy named Brian Fowler and Matt Armstrong. And we came into a right one day uh, just like heavy hearted. Um, I, I still serve at a church when I'm off the road and uh, we'd had some uh, some sickness, uh, some, some cancer, uh, two different families were heavily affected by it at the time. So that was weighing on my mind. And, uh, we also knew of a family, uh, three of my friends that, uh, had just lost a young child in an accident. Mm. And so there was just a lot of heaviness on, on my mind for those couple of weeks. So I came in and, and we were just thinking about what we're going to write about. And I was like, guys, I'm honestly just feeling really kind of like down. So I don't know if we can write anything, you know? And they're like, let's just write to that. And so we started listing, you know, all the problems. And and then this chorus idea came about like that there's going to be healing that it's not always going to be like this. So then we began to rewrite the lyrics and say, okay, let's write from a perspective of one day, these things are not going to be things that plague our world you know, uh, that, that challenge our, our existence in our hearts and minds. And so we began to write that. I said, you know, one day there's going to be no more waiting left for us one day, uh, you know, finishing up in the final verse, you know, one day our, the greatest problem is going to be solved forever. And that's the power of evil. It's going to be completely gone. There's going to be no, not only will there be no sin, but there'll be no capacity for sin. We won't even be able to do that. And, that's going to cause 
perfection, you know, and, and I, it's going from that time when we wrote it and what we've been through now, that song has meant so much to me. It's like blessed me every time that we play it out, every time that we perform it. Um, and we played that song. So touring stopped, you know, for a long time here and we were back in the spring and it, you know, it was like a year after everyone had heard that song for a year and listened to it. And so we played this first concert in Texas in an arena. And when we got to the chorus of that song, the whole arena like stood up and began to like sing along with us. And I couldn't sing. I mean, I just like emotionally teared up, kind of broke down. And I think it was a culmination of what those words meant to me the past year and also what they'd meant to the people I could see their faces and just to think that God had used that song to serve them in those dark months. And, you know, we were sent, we were sent videos of hospitals using the song in the hallways whenever they would release COVID patients and they'd be playing those lyrics, just blasting them, you know, in, in secular hospital systems, you know, and a guy was just working and, and, uh, it's just truly, it's humbling and overwhelming to know, you know, uh, how a song like that can, can touch people. Hallelujah, there will be healing from this heartbreak we've been feeling. We'll sing in the darkest night, cause we know that the light will come and there will be healing. And that was One Day by Cochrane and Company. Uh, so thank you very much indeed, Michael, for all that you've shared so far. I'm sure our listeners have really enjoyed uh, hearing your story uh, and the story behind the music as well. Uh, and it would be so helpful right now if you're happy to pray for listeners. I would love to. Yes, please. Father, we just come to you uh, just acknowledging all that you are and your holiness. And, uh, and God, we're grateful that you hear us through Jesus and through his blood that covers us and God, we have that peace with you now because of that. So I just pray that peace on everyone who's listening, uh, that they would experience peace. And that's like, Lord, we know that that's a hard thing to come by. It seems like in the world and, and the peace that the world promises is really not true peace, God. So I'm just praying that you would give us the peace that you promised us in your word that passes understanding that the world can't take away. And I pray that people would, feel that in these crazy times. And as you know, so many people around us are scrambling to find their confidence and to find their strongholds in the systems of this world and in governments and in politics and in, you know, uh, finances or whatever it is, God, I just pray that you would show us, show your people that you are, you are, the stronghold of our life. You are the, the protector of our life. You are the place that we can go to place our confidence in you, place our hope and our trust in you. God, I just pray that you would provide uh, for the needs of your people and provide for your churches all around the world. Um, God, I just pray that, uh, that your word would be just active in the lives of people that need to hear it. And, God, I just pray for Hope FM. God, I pray that as they uh, 
continue to be faithful to you and continue to foster uh, just a community of, of uh, radio like and, and music, Lord, that uh, you bless them. And God, I'm just, just thankful for anyone that would listen and uh, for anyone that would listen to our music. Uh, God, I just pray that you would bless them and that they would know uh, how blessed we are as artists by it by them and by their support. And um, we're just very grateful, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Michael. And you mentioned peace in that prayer. And I'm just thinking about listeners at home who maybe at the moment aren't really sure who this God is that we're talking about. uh, And maybe they don't go to church. But uh, if you're in the UK listening to this, then do pop on to www.findachurch.co.uk because there are many churches around the UK that would love to help you to know more of God's love and for you to find that peace that Michael was just praying about. Wow. And if you're, of course, if you're listening somewhere else in the world on one of our partner stations, I just encourage you to contact the studio for that station and ask them to recommend a good church for you. Michael, thanks so very much for what you've shared so far. It'd be great to find out you've, your debut album uh, is out this year, 2021. When did, when did it actually launch? Uh, it came out in January of 2021. Okay. So you had a bit of space and you've been on the road with it. So have you enjoyed doing that? Oh, absolutely. I love being out on the road touring and playing music, uh, hoping to come to the UK one day. I, I've never been. and I've never been to the UK? Never been. And I would love to. You know, my, I've traced my family lineage to Scotland and I want to come so badly to, to uh, find out where that is, you know. So, so I'm, I'm Gordon, which is obviously the clan of Gordon, which is the best Scottish clan. Um, there's a bit of rivalry <laughs> between the clans. It's the best one. Just telling you that now. Uh, which, do you know which clan your family's from or not yet? No, I don't know. I just know that uh, I, I, I used to know like a general area of where they came from, but off the top of my head, I don't know that either. No, that, that's, that's fine. So, but uh, just, just so you know, so Scotland, if you're thinking about sort of Edinburgh or something like that, that's, uh, you know, about rounding up about 500 miles from where we are here on the south coast so um so we're in we're in the nice warm bit of the uk <laughs> all of scotland's cold and wet uh, but it's beautiful and amazing so definitely if you do come to the uk and you're going to scotland you'll have to make the 500 mile detour though to come via bournemouth as well on the south coast yes so, of course um so uh, in fact that is a genuine invitation for you because if you come uh, we'll make sure that we can find the place for you to do a gig down here uh, in the bournemouth oh area. man i would so, love that it would be, be great. Awesome. Okay, so so but but plans that are realistic at the moment. What sort of things are you doing in the next twelve months? Yeah, well, we're actually going to put out a new record. Uh, we've been working nonstop. Uh, I've been writing all year long. We've got a few songs somewhat recorded. Uh, so we're going to be looking at uh, a new single top of the year, and hopefully, maybe a record by summer. So. When you say a record by summer, how how many tracks are you thinking of by next summer? Uh, probably ten. I would say like a full full album. Okay, because because there's thirteen on on your last album, ten for the new one. Not that far apart in in months, really, to to be doing yeah. two. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, which means therefore there's going to be some more singles coming out, and uh, we'll be looking forward to those for sure. Yes. So that's going to be keeping you quite busy, I would guess. Uh, for people who want to to find out the things that you're doing as they come out. Obviously, they can listen to us here on Hope FM, but uh, where, where do people connect you? Where's the best place? Um, social media, you know, uh, I would say Instagram, uh, pretty active on Instagram. Uh, so that would be Instagram.com slash Cochrane Music. Uh, my website is CochraneMusic.com. 
uh, and I'm on TikTok. So I'm always posting funny things on TikTok. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually intrigued because I've got to say, I've never been on TikTok. I'm just <laughs> well, I'm not advocating that you start. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I and I've really tried to restrict myself because you mentioned about social media earlier on being like this thing of comparison. Yes. So I'm, I've tried to avoid looking too much and just losing my life in social media because I, I, oh, yeah. I know it can be a thing that that just steals so much so but now i'm now tempted now see i know i'm only on tiktok to go and find out what you do there don't let me don't let me tempt you to add another thing in there yeah yeah I'm, well i probably will have to now because i think it could be fun okay just just to see you then i'll stop quit quit straight away that's the, <laughs> the important thing um now it isn't long till christmas so it would be useful to know what does christmas mean to you what what are you planning to do and what's been your best oh, christmas man. ever well christmas i guess the best way to say what it means to me it doesn't feel like christmas season until i start to get together with family uh, so I, I guess family is what would make that be like you know the important thing of christmas to me you know um and obviously you know the meaning of christmas is you know celebrating the birth of christ and and the hope but i think something about coming together with family to do that is just beautiful because the older I get, the more separated I am from my family. It seems like when you're a kid, you take it all for granted because you seem to see these people all the time. Now I'm out on my own. Uh, you know, my parents live, you know, they live in the same state, but we're never home, you know? And so we don't see them much. So this holiday season, I'm really looking forward to just being around family. And, and the past couple of years, we've been limited at Christmas time on who can come, who can be around and are we going to do anything at all. And so, uh, this year, I'm looking forward to that. My my favorite Christmas ever. That's tough, but I would say it's probably uh, the Christmas of 2014 because my now wife and I had gotten engaged a couple months prior, and it was kind of the first time we were seeing everybody with that ring on her finger. And uh, I just remember the excitement of that and getting to just – talk about her to everybody and, and kind of, you know, uh, that was just a special, a special time, you know, I can imagine that being a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of thing that you, you remember for a long time, those yeah. things. So that's, that's a lovely Christmas memory. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM artist interview. It, it'd be interesting to find out with regards to the Bible, who's the Bible character that you most relate to? And why you're not allowed to have Jesus? <laughs> uh, who I most relate to? Gosh, probably, probably Peter, uh, because I, I think I get ahead of myself a lot, um, and I, I'm thinking like Peter, not Apostle Peter, like early on Peter in his life, you know, like. Uh, you know, not, not like the sanctified, you know, leader of many, the rock, Peter, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. more of like, um, you know, I'll never deny you. I'll never, you know, I, I, you know, the overconfident, the overzealous, uh, but then kind of feebly, you know, just, I relate to his weakness, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I also think I, I relate to the compassion that Christ shows him. And I like to think that I receive that a lot from Jesus 
you know, I think that Jesus has made me breakfast many times, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, and has consoled me many times and, uh, you know, has, has talked me off the ledge, so to speak, you know, and, and brought me back into the fold, you know, so I relate to that. That's, you know, I, I'm racking my brains. I don't think I can remember anyone else choosing Peter, but I love the reason that you did. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for telling us that. Okay. So we've got one more thing that I need to ask you about, which is not a very deep thing. It's just to ask, what's the weirdest thing you've ever done? I've done a lot of weird things. I told you, I, I usually, uh, anything for a laugh since I was a kid, you know, uh, but a weird thing that I just, this is fresh on my mind. Cause I just told someone about it like two days ago. Uh, last summer, our small group was meeting outside to try to be safer at the church here. And, uh, we had this little get together as a bonfire and we have like, uh, like locusts in our area, you know, that will like leave their, their shells around and cicadas or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Kids will, you know, kids think it's fascinating to find those little, so it looks like a whole bug, just the shell of it, you know. Well, how long, how big are they? Uh, maybe the size of your thumb. Okay. And uh, it, it looks just like a outward shell of this whole bug. And so they stick on trees, and this little f- uh, five-year-old boy found one. And he was running around to all the other girls in our church group, and you know, he was scaring them with it, and putting them on people, and like laughing when they get freaked out. So he comes over to me, and he stuck it on my shirt to try and scare me. And I don't know why, but I just grabbed the thing and went. And you ate it. <gasps> yeah. And he, his face went from like, like this mischievous snicker to like, <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. He turns, looks at his mom and dad. He's like, <gasps> and my wife was horrified. She's like, I look over at her and everyone's laughing and she's just like, <laughs> what have you done? I, was, I don't know why. That is great. Well, she's probably thinking, oh, I've got to kiss no. that. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, that I've got to say, kudos. That that is quite a weird, fun thing to have done. <laughs> so brutal. Uh, and also, suppose I should ask. Not everything in life always goes well, though. When you're on tour, has there been an occasion where things have just gone? We we would say Pete Tong, which means wrong. Uh, yeah, many, many times. So we, when we first started touring, we were, we were like touring in like a, a sedan, you know, me and a couple of my friends would stick all our stuff in cars. So we've gone the whole way. We've, we've done overnight trips and, and one of the worst experiences on the road was a few years ago, uh, before the record deal, we were just independently grinding, trying to do it. We played in a city called Omaha, Nebraska, and, uh, we showed up and played for two people in the audience. And we made $3 that night playing and it cost us $6 to park the van outside. So (laughs) not counting gas and travel and paying the band, we were already $3 in the hole just from parking. (laughs) That that is, that is a thing going wrong. Yes. What, what was the reason there were only two people? Well, the, the venue there that brought us in is in the basement of this like coffee shop thing. And they had a cover charge of $5 and we were splitting that with the venue. So they had the stage over here and like a billiard room hangout spot over here and a black curtain was the cover charge separator. 
So everyone just came and listened for free on the other side of the curtain instead of paying $5 to see the music they were listening to for free. So I was like, this is, I wouldn't pay $5 to, to come in and I'm, you're listening to it over there, you know? So we were frustrated, but then we came back two years later on a big tour and played a sold out arena. So it's like redemption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes up for it, but that, that is a great little story. Thank you so much, Michael. So we've got one more track uh, to play from you. Uh, it's a Christmas track. Uh, so tell us, what's the name of this track and tell us what it's all about. Yeah, it's called Christmas, What the World Needs. And the title really sums it up. I mean, I think after the couple of years that we've had, the, the world needs to experience the Christmas season maybe more than they ever have before. And uh, like I said, for me, that means family time. But I think it just, it's a reminder of the joy and the peace of Christ. And, you know, hearing the angels, you know, say, fear not. I think everyone needs that message. You know, fear not, don't fear. There's a savior that's come and he's for everyone. He's for the, the Kings and he's for the shepherds and he's for the highest of society and the lowest of society and everyone in between. And uh, you know, the song uh, is kind of a nostalgic approach to Christmas and just talking about seeing the lights on main street and being with family and, and thinking of hearing my grandfather, read the Christmas story at our family get together. And um, I wanted to put all that into a song and, and hopefully get people as excited about Christmas as I am. Let the church bells ring their melody. Let the choir bring a little harmony. Cause peace on earth sounds good to me. Oh, and that was Christmas, What the World Needs. And thank you so much to Michael Cochran from Cochran and Company for joining us today on the Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM. And whether you're listening to here in the UK on Hope FM or worldwide on one of our partner stations, I hope you've really enjoyed listening. And there are many other really great interviews from some wonderful artists for you to enjoy. Just nip onto your favourite podcast platform and search up The Artist Interview. Guys, and also please, if you will, just subscribe, share it with your friends, spread the blessing. These artists put so much of their heart into what they share and into their wonderful music, and we'd love more people to receive the goodness from it. God bless you. Bye-bye. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music, this is the Hope FM Artist Interview.